Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Good evening, and welcome to our Good Friday worship experience. The theme for this weekend is Witness His Resurrection. We want to do everything we can so that you and your family can encounter Jesus tonight. Mike? (laughs) You are hiding. Hi, it's your turn. I was telling our niece today that uh, uh, sometimes I, in the past, I've asked people, happy Good Friday. I said, by the way, what's, what's good about it? It's when somebody died. But we know that Jesus died for our sins. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are, amen, Savior. As, uh, thank you, Heavenly Father, creation of the world. You had a plan in place to redeem fallen mankind that you knew would happen. And it says, in the fullness of time, at just the right time, it says, Jesus came. And after his ministry upon planet Earth, as both a human being and God. He died for our sins, was buried, and it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. So let's sing Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Story. This is my song. Praise. 
sit in my shop and uh, and build they were buying I believe oh. like this mallet oh, what an instrument it's simple elegant tactile all the power that you would want yet with with all the finesse that you need for fine woodworking Seems I've traded it in for this. <laughs> Job done. It's clunky, it's clumsy, destructive. Tell that to the Romans, eh? The rate they've been sending me split and splintered beams back. Hardly enough time to repair before they nail some new man up on them. My wife. She thinks it's beneath me. When I told her I'd found this new work, she didn't say no, but I remember her eyes. They said it for her. They said the Romans only pay in blood money. I managed my conscience for a while, and, and then Jerusalem was just turned upside down with the arrival of this, this teacher. My wife thinks he's the Messiah. I never told her, but I saw this teacher speak once out in front of the temple. And his words that stuck with me, haunted me. And then just a few hours ago, they killed him. They, convenient word, when you don't want to consider whether you're involved in it. There's dozens of crossbeams go in and out of that Roman storehouse, yeah? The chances that it was one of mine are really slim, right? I can't shake any of it. And who could after witnessing the aftermath of it? We all felt the ground shake. We all saw the darkness come black as a raven, shadowing Jerusalem as if night had fallen. We all heard that the veil had ripped and the graves opening up. My fingerprints are all over that cross. I can feel it. Why didn't I listen to my wife? Why didn't I listen to that teacher? I don't know if it's too late for me.
If you were to think back on your lifetime, you could probably conjure up some experience you've had of pain, pain that makes you to this very day shudder and cringe. I can think of some in my own lifetime. I remember back when I was in elementary school, um, I went to grab some shoes that were in a wooden cupboard. And as I reached, I wasn't looking where I was going and my hand scraped against the wood and I got a huge sliver up my nail. And still, when I think about that, it makes me shudder. Um, just a couple years ago, I fractured my fibula. Some of you might remember me on crutches. I was running at 100% speed and tried to go up and my leg did like the my brother falling out of a tree onto a wooden fence. And at the time, we didn't even know he had fallen on a fence. Um, he told me he had some pain on his side, so as the older brother, I was going to look, and I thought maybe there'd be slight bruising, so I got really, really close, as in like an inch away to see if there was a bruise. And as I peeled back his clothing, there I was, face to face, with a lot of red and pink and mushy and bloody, and there was a hole the size that a wooden picket fence would leave. Now, we can probably all think of some scenarios like this. However, none of them even come close to what Jesus went through. In 2017, in the summer, I was a counselor for the first time at Camp Grow in Green Lake, and we had a special speaker who was none other than Luke Hatfield. A lot of you probably know that name. And he simply, on one of the nights, read an article that's entitled, A More Accurate Medical Account of the Crucifixion. All he did was read it, just word for word. But hearing it that night changed me. Hearing the account of Jesus' death from that medical perspective showed me things that I, I had never seen before. Um, it helped me understand the physical and the emotional torture that Jesus went through those couple of days. And I realized that Physical alone would have been bad enough. And even if he had only endured those emotional trials, it'd be more than we would ever want to have to bear. So I'm going to start in a chronological type order. And I want you, as I go along, um, maybe at some points you want to close your eyes and imagine. Take this time to really think about what did Jesus go through for each and every one of you. Um, there'll be a couple times where I'll read from that article, and those might be good times, so just close your eyes. And maybe this is the first time you've ever really heard what it would have been like. So I'm going to start in Luke chapter 22, when Jesus was in the garden before he was taken captive. He was praying, and he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. We see here that Jesus' blood was, or Jesus' sweat was like blood. And this very strange and unusual way of sweating shows us just how unusual the amount of stress he was going under was. And right after that, he had a man who he had be, been pouring into for the past three years by the name of Judas come and betray him. And you can imagine what that might have felt like having somebody who he was discipling for so long um, with none other than a kiss show that he, f he found money more worth it to him than following Jesus longer. After that, Jesus was taken to the Sanhedrin, given a short trial, and 
after the trial, he was beaten. In Mark chapter 14, we see the Sanhedrin's response. They said, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death, which is a pretty extreme punishment, but they thought he was blaspheming. And so some of them began to spit at him. They blinded, folded him, struck him with their fists and said, prophesy. And the guards took and beat him. So not only was he spit on, but he was blindfolded so he couldn't see the hits that were coming at him. And then the guards took him and beat him once more. If that wasn't enough, straight after that, one of his best friends, Peter, disowned him three different times, and Peter had just said to Jesus how he would never, ever desert him, and three times in a row, he proceeded to do that. Jesus moved straight on to a trial. In these trials, there was injustice. There were stayed calm. Even the crowd of people, can you imagine the sorrow? I think of it as, imagine yourself going to Maybe it's another country, a country in poverty, and you go to teach them how to work, and you give them supplies, and you build houses for them, and in the end, they take you, they beat you, they mock you, and they don't accept anything you're giving to them. Jesus then was flogged by the soldiers. In Mark 15, it says, wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. I'm going to read a little bit from that medical article about what Jesus went through in the flogging. In the previous 12 hours, Jesus had suffered emotional trauma, rejection by his closest friends, a cruel beating, and a sleepless night during which he had to walk miles between unjust hearings. And later it says, A man to be flogged was stripped of his clothes, and his hands were tied to a post above his head. He was then whipped across the shoulders, back, buttocks, thighs, and legs, and the soldier would stand behind and a little bit to one side of the victim. The whip used, which was called a flagellum, was designed to make this a devastating punishment, bringing the victim close to death. Several short leather thongs, which would have two small beads of either lead or iron attached to the end of each, there were pieces of sheep's bone, sometimes included. As the scourging proceeds, the heavy leather thongs produced first superficial cuts, so just small lacerations on the skin, and then deeper damage to underlying tissues. Bleeding becomes severe when not only capillaries and veins are cut, but also arteries in the underlying muscles. The small metal balls first produce large, deep bruises, which are later broken open by further blows. The fragments of sheep's bone Rip the flesh as the whip is drawn back. When the beating is finished, the skin of the back is in ribbons, and the entire area is torn and bleeding. The words chosen in the Bible even suggest that the scourging of Jesus was particularly severe. Jesus could have been let go right then, and we would have said he had gone through a lot for something that wasn't what we would think of as his to bear. But after that, he endures some more torture, both physically and emotionally, because the soldiers take and mock Jesus. In Matthew 27, the soldiers, it's talking about, they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. If you've ever been pricked by a thorn, you know how much it hurts. Imagine having a crown forced onto your forehead. They put a staff in his right hand and then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. 
after they had mocked him, they put off the robe and put his own clothes on him, and they led him away to crucify him. And now for the crucifixion, I'm once again going to read from this medical article. If it helps you to close your eyes, go ahead. The wooden cross used by the Romans was too heavy to be carried by one man. Instead, the victim to be crucified was made to bear the detached crossbar across his shoulders. And he would carry it outside the city walls to the place of execution. The heavy upright portion of the cross would be permanently in position at that location. Jesus was unable to carry his load, a beam that would have weighed around 75 to 125 pounds. He collapsed under the burden, and an onlooker was ordered to take it for him. Later, Jesus refused to drink the wine and myrrh mixture that was offered to him before the nails were driven in. And that mixture of wine and myrrh would have dulled the pain. So Jesus refused the drink to dull the pain of the nails. Thrown down on his back with arms outstretched across, along the crossbar, nails were driven through his wrists into the wood. These iron spikes, about six inches long and three-eighths inches thick, that's about half an inch, going through in both arms. In preparation with legs bent at the knee, a nail was driven through each ankle into the cross. Again, there was severe nerve damage, and the pain caused was intense. It's important to note, however, that neither the wounds in the wrists or the feet caused substantial bleeding, since there weren't any major arteries that were ruptured. And the executioner took great care to ensure this, so that death would be slower and the suffering would last longer. Now nailed to the cross, the real horror of crucifixion began. Think about that. The real horror began at this point now. When the wrists were nailed to the crossbar, they intentionally made it so that um, the elbows were left in a bent position. So the crucified man would hang with his arms above his head and the weight would be taken on the nails in his wrists. Obviously, this was unbearably painful, but it had another effect. It is very difficult to exhale in this position. In order to breathe out and then to take in fresh air, it was necessary to push the body up on the nailed feet. When the pain from the feet began unbearable, became unbearable, the victim would again slump down and hang by the arms. A terrible cycle of pain began, hanging by the arms, unable to breathe, pushing up to inhale quickly before slumping down and on and on. This tortured activity became more and more difficult as Jesus' back scraped against the upright post. Remember, he was flogged earlier and his back would have been mutilated. As muscle cramps set in because of the inadequate respiration and as exhaustion grew more severe. Jesus suffered in this manner for several hours before, with a final cry, he died. Now, I've told you a lot about what Jesus went through, and we can't even pretend that we can imagine the pain. I haven't even discussed what it would have been like for him on the cross with Mary there. Or could any of this compare to the weight of sin that Jesus had on him from all humanity? There are times where we can't even bear our own sin and the guilt and all that comes with that. And Jesus had it for every person. A perfect God who knew no sin in one moment taking all of humanity's sin. And so I have one slide up here that shows us just a glimpse of what Jesus went through, all the physical and emotional torture. And with all this evidence, we might ask ourselves, with all this, how can Good Friday be good? 
Good Friday. How can one describe such a day? The wrongdoing of all humanity putting to an end an innocent man, the Son of God. This is the story of Jesus' death by way of a cross, all in one moment bringing death to the bright light of our future. He never stopped loving us, and yet this is the incredible part of it. Our sin stopped his heart. Our sin drove the nails firmly in the hands of God. All along, these were the plans. We told ourselves that we were in control, and this was deemed sufficient for all of us. The brutal beating, the inhuman flogging, the naked humiliation. Heaven watched and saw it all. Our rebellion, our guilt, our shame, erasing the very notion of reconciling us with God. Our sin and our debt, overcoming. Jesus. Here is our king, obliterated. The enemy laughing, his plans unstoppable. There's no longer the sound of freedom rising. Now God's people are utterly broken. We had heard the story, but now we are, we'd almost believed that God is dead. We'd almost believed there is a way of redemption. There is a life of fulfillment. There is a peace beyond understanding. Now we know better. For us, we can say that God is encapsulated in this one realization. The single greatest sacrifice in human history is finished. How clearly we can see it. So what's so good about Good Friday? just one thing, that the blood of Jesus can reverse the curse of sin and raise the dead to life. How clearly we can see it is finished. The single greatest sacrifice in human history encapsulated in this one realization. We can say that God is for us. Now we know better. There is a peace beyond understanding. There is a life of fulfillment. There is a way of redemption. We had almost believed God is dead, but now we are witnesses to this reality. The weak are made strong. The blind can see. The lost are found. We had heard the stories of old. Yes, this is what is true. The chains of mortality utterly broken. Behold, freedom rising. Now God's people are unstoppable. There's no longer the sound of the enemy laughing. His plans obliterated. Here is our King, Jesus, overcoming our sin and our debt, reconciling us with God, erasing the very notion of our rebellion, our guilt, our shame. Heaven watched and saw it all, the naked humiliation, the inhuman flogging, the brutal beating, and this was deemed sufficient for all of us. We told ourselves that we were in control. All along, these were the plans firmly in the hands of God. 
Our sin drove the nails. Our sin stopped his heart. And yet, this is the incredible part of it. He never stopped loving us. The bright light of our future all in one moment, bringing death to death by way of a cross. This is the story of Jesus, the Son of God, an innocent man putting to an end the wrongdoing of all humanity. How can one describe such a day? Good Friday.
Anthony, if you would uh, get ready in just a moment to bring up, we're going to start in verse 27 of Mark chapter 15. We're going to get right to the, the heart of the issue. I'm so excited for tonight. I mean, I can't remember the last time I've been so excited to be in church with you. Because I believe in a few moments, we're going to give you an opportunity to have an encounter with Jesus. And I believe that lives are forever going to be changed in the next few moments. Some of you may have never experienced Jesus at the altar, and in a few minutes, I believe that you're going to have that encounter. It's something that's not man-made. We're not trying to produce a move of God. God is ready to flow in your life tonight. I really, truly believe that. I don't know if anybody else senses that and feels that tonight, but I definitely do. And I'm excited to share with you the second part of our message tonight. And I want to say, Adrian, phenomenal job. Man, you knocked it out of the park tonight. It's great to not just have you here with us that are live, but also those that are streaming uh, and with us tonight. I know we've got people watching all the way from North Dakota. Uh, they're in a, they just came out of a blizzard, so they had to watch church where they could get to church. Um, so it's great having you with us tonight, everyone that's online. Let's look at the verse in Mark chapter 15, starting in verse 27. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who are going to destroy yourself, his resurrection. Of all the individuals that we could throw into tonight's message who witnessed his resurrection, tonight I want to focus on just one man, a humble man, that hung next to Jesus on a cross. All four Gospels make mention of the rebels or thieves that are hung on the cross on either side of Jesus, but it's interesting that only Luke makes mention of the dialogue that took place in that moment. In Luke chapter 23, verses 33, or sorry, 39 through 43, it reads as following, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, just as the crowd was throwing insults and people that were walking by was, were hurling their words. This man joined in. And remember, this man is experiencing the same pain on the cross that Jesus has endured. He may not have had all the torture that went beforehand, but anger pours out of him. He says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. 
Most people who would preach on this passage of Scripture would talk about the choices between the two thieves or rebels. But tonight, I don't want to do that. I want to be the main focus tonight is to examine the choice Jesus makes in this moment. Earlier tonight, Adrian walked us through what Jesus had endured. The whole experience leading up to this point in Scripture maybe is summed up best by horrific torture. His body broken, beaten, whipped, spat on, mocked, his skin ripped, his flesh torn. Emotionally, physically, mentally, the strain really beyond the limit of what can be endured. And Jesus was empty, emotionally, physically, and mentally. There was nothing left to give in those three areas. But spiritually, in this moment, there was still something left. When the burden is heavy, the spirit can still be full. The burden Jesus carried, the sin for all mankind upon him, that is a burden you and I will never be able to even get close to understanding. I've been in moments where I've carried spiritual burdens for individual, for people, for situations. I've felt the heaviness sit on me. I know what that's like, but I can't even imagine the weight, the spiritual weight upon the shoulders of Jesus as he pushed himself up to breathe every few moments. In that place, underneath that weight, Jesus musters the strength to have a conversation with this man on the cross. Kingdom. He'll make right his past room of God. He can't get off of this cross and go make right his past wrongs. That can't happen. He can't go on to perform any acts of service. He'll never develop his skills and talents for some type of ministry. He'll never attend a grow group. He'll never attend a church service. He'll never have the chance to be disciples. He'll never have the chance to be baptized in water, nor to be able to be baptized in the Spirit. He'll never give to missions. He'll never go on a missions trip. He has nothing to offer but an acknowledgement of who Jesus was and a request for mercy. That's all he has. And Jesus in this moment of being emotionally, physically, mentally bankrupt, but spiritually still full. Spiritually, there is still something in the tank. He responds. 
Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. A man who has nothing, Jesus promises paradise. We say it all the time, church, but I don't think sometimes it sinks in. Salvation is not earned. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Ephesians 2, 8 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Salvation is given to this man who will never do anything for the kingdom. Yet he is not overlooked when Jesus endures the pain on the cross. Let me assure you of something tonight. You are not overlooked by our Savior. This conversation and promise with Jesus is not the end. John 19, verse 31 says, Now it was the day of preparation. And the next day was a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. So both of these men are still alive at this point. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. Jesus died before this man that he had made this promise. Jesus to be able to keep his promise. And when that man breathed his last and his eyes closed, the very next thing he saw was Jesus before him in paradise. Because how good is our God? How good is Jesus that he would keep this promise? It's not recorded that the man on the cross ever said goodbye to the Savior. But there was no need to say goodbye. You need not say goodbye. The people will shout my name. Pilate will tell them there's nothing I've done to deserve this, but they will refuse. Pilate will stay me beside Barabbas, a murderer, and they will choose him over me. 
Pilate will appeal to the priest, insist on simply whipping me to appease their fury. But they will shout it louder, crucify, crucify. But still, you need not say goodbye. My hands will be tied to a post. The sound of the whip will ring in your ears and in your chest. The soldiers will peel the skin off my back. A ring of thorny branches will be pressed into my scalp until the blood runs into my eyes. Oh, but listen. You need not say goodbye. I will carry that cross. I will go to the place of the skull, and there they will drive the iron stakes between the bones in my wrist. With a hammer, they will nail my feet into the tree. I will be raised up as the world waits for me to die. Nevertheless, you need not say goodbye. Between two thieves I will hang. You may hear me speaking to my father, your father. You may hear me ask him, why? But child, you need not say goodbye. What you won't see, what you won't hear, what you won't know until all of this is done is that in that moment, I was paying the penalty of your wrongdoing, every wrongdoing, every mistake, every act of envy, every word of hatred, every moment of violence and greed and spite, every selfish desire, every lustful thought, every moment of weakness and weariness, all the failures of human history will be in my hands and on my head. On that cross, I will suffer the wrath that was destined for you. Every guilty verdict fallen on me, your punishment will be paid for in my blood and it will be enough. I will die on your cross. I will let out a final sigh. Know that I have loved you, and you need not say goodbye. But if you must, if you absolutely must say the word goodbye, then say it like this. Goodbye fear. Goodbye sorrow. Goodbye rejection. Goodbye shame. Say it like this. Goodbye guilt. Goodbye condemned words. Goodbye a displaced loneliness below belonging. Goodbye defeat, hello victory. This is the end of the curse. This is the demise of the serpent. This is all debts paid. This is, it is finished. Goodbye all the powers of hell. Goodbye darkness. Goodbye dread. Goodbye every sin. Go ahead and say it. Goodbye death. Speak and be free.
don't say goodbye to me. Yes, you'll see them put the spear in my side. But remember, it's only Friday. So, you need not say goodbye. so excited for you because Jesus is about to do something amazing in this place but we got to take care of a little bit of business first with every head bowed with every eye closed I will not embarrass anybody here tonight but you're here tonight and you know that you need salvation you need a savior in your life. This is your moment where your life can change. You are not overlooked. Jesus sees you tonight. And if you would like to start a relationship with Jesus, would you just raise your hand as an acknowledgement that yes, I want Jesus to save my life tonight. Don't be embarrassed. I want to pray a prayer tonight. And if you'd pray this prayer along with me, you can start a relationship with Jesus tonight. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I got so many things wrong with me. I need a Savior. Jesus, would you come into my life and would you save me? I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, and that you rose again. And that you want to have a relationship with me. Come into my life. Change, transform me. May I become a new creation in you. And may the greatest adventure of my life start tonight in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been praying all week for what's about to happen. If you're new to a Pentecostal experience, it's very different probably than traditional services. I've never even been to a Good Friday service before this. I just got to tell you, this is my first one. I've ever done ministry-wise versus one I've ever attended. I don't think it's probably anything like what maybe you expected it to be. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to offer you an encounter with Jesus tonight because he would like to meet with you. And he would like to do something amazing in your life and in your marriage and in your family. I feel the spirit moving in this place. So I'm going to ask you to 15, 20, 30 feet off with your family tonight for just the next few moments to have an encounter with Jesus where he wants to do something incredible. And if you're willing to do that, would you move right now? And if you can't stand, would you just please come sit in the front row or two? Because I don't want you to miss what Jesus is about to do. I can promise you this. Nobody's going to breathe on you. 
all right? We're not going to blow in your face. We're not going to push you to the ground. We're not going to have you handle snakes. Nobody's going to stick their fingers in your ears and give you wet willies, okay? We are not going to manufacture a move of God. We're going to let Jesus just do what he wants to do. That video we watched tonight, it said, never say goodbye to God. But I want to tell you tonight, Jesus wants you to say goodbye to some things in your life. I know that there are people here or watching online that there are some things in your life that are just holding you back. They're emotional, they're physical, they're mental. And Jesus just wants you to be able to say, I'm saying goodbye tonight. There's some people here with some physical ailments, and in the, the spirit, I believe Jesus just wants you to be able to say goodbye. Goodbye knee pain, goodbye neck pain. Some of you have some, some issues and relationships that are going on. It's time to say goodbye. There's a married couple here tonight. There has been some offense in your past. And Jesus is saying, you got to let go of the offense. It's time to say goodbye. And I want to tell you, as you say goodbye tonight, you are saying hello to the things God wants to put into your life. Three, I believe that Jesus is about to move in this place. His spirit is beginning to fill the atmosphere in this place. He's about to touch your life in an incredible way that maybe you've never experienced before. Two, I know that God is ready to do something more in your life than you ever thought possible, to change and transform you, to make you a better witness, a better husband, a better wife, a better man, a better woman, a better son, a better daughter. He's about to just put something new inside of you today. One, I believe that we are ready to receive a mighty move of God as a church that will forever change and transform our lives. If you would do this, would you just raise your hands up? We do this to just say, I'm surrendering. And would you clench up your fists as if you're holding on to something physical tonight? And every person, it's something different. Every person, it's something different tonight. We're going to do just like that man on the cross did. He acknowledged who Jesus was. Let's acknowledge who Jesus is right now. Jesus, you are the Savior. You're awesome, amazing. You've done so much in my life already. You saved me. You've blessed me. God, you've given us a great church, a great campus, a great ministry. You're worthy of praise. You're incredible, awesome to be lifted high. There is no one like Jesus. And then right now, I just want you to say goodbye to whatever that thing is that's holding you back. Say goodbye to it right now. Goodbye, pain. Goodbye to this relationship that's not healthy. Goodbye to the things that are holding me back. Goodbye to the things that, that God, I no longer need in my life. Right now, begin to just say those things. Goodbye. Goodbye to those things. And hello, Jesus. 
right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for amazing things. Fill them with fresh installed and not moving. Lord, your resources would be made of the name of Jesus. Those dams would begin to break and Lord, your resources would be made apparent and there would begin to be movement in those issues. There are people here tonight, you have been dealing with anxiety. Jesus is saying goodbye to your anxiety and hello to peace. There are those who have had the wind knocked out of you. You feel like you can't go on anymore. Goodbye to that feeling and hello to the breath of God and just filling your lungs fresh. The right now, Jesus is moving in this place. You may feel something happening. You may not feel anything at all. That doesn't mean that Jesus is not at work. Jesus is doing something in you right now now because he is a good gracious God and his mercies are new every day and just because you go man I still have pain I still you don't know what tomorrow morning will bring I believe miracles are on their way they're already here they're already being received and he's not done moving in your life if you feel comfortable, would you grab the hand of the person next to you tonight? Because I'm going to teach you one of the most important things that you can ever know. Sometimes our miracles come when we lay down our burden and we pray for someone else. You'd be surprised how many times where I've had things in my own life and when I began to do the things God's asked me to do, all of a sudden there's a release in the area that was clogged up in my life. So you may not even know the person next to you, but if your prayers determined God doing something great in somebody's life tonight, how would you pray? Pretty passionately, I hope. So would you begin to pray for the person on your right and left? You don't even know their needs, and that's okay. You don't need to know. But begin to pray for them, that they would receive everything that God has for them. Jesus, we pray for restored and vibrant marriage relationships. God, we pray for healings to begin to happen, miracles to begin to happen in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are at work in this place. And it's just not about me. It's about all my brothers and sisters experiencing you. Jesus, we give you praise, glory, and honor tonight. Jesus. Jesus, I pray for every person here tonight. Lord, it's not about being a nut. It's about being a fruit in your kingdom and having fruits flow in and through our lives to impact others. Lord, I believe tonight people have experienced your resurrection power in a very real way. Now, Lord, you are calling us to be your witnesses and to witness to the resurrection of Jesus. 
Lord, we're about to, to close our service tonight in the best way I could think possible, worshiping you one last time on this good Friday. But God, I pray that for our church, that tonight marks something new. A, a newness in people's life, that the old is kind of just going away, the complaining's going away, the things you're doing. And all this, we're going to be bold and we're going to see a mighty move of God, not just sweep over this campus, but across our entire community. Jesus, great things are on the horizon for the lives in this room and the lives here in Ripon and surrounding communities. We give you praise, glory, and honor tonight. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back. We're going to sing two more worship songs, and then I'm going to ask Adrian to come up and help me close out tonight's service with one last prayer for you and your family before we leave here. And you don't even have to go back to your seats. You can stay right where you're at if you want to worship right where you're at tonight. But Mike, worship team, would you lead us one more time before we close our worship experience?
Savior. things you overcame the cross the beating the scourging you overcame all those things for you He who the Son sets free shall be free indeed. Amen. Jesus. Wow. Thank you.
praise to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Nay, the song that we just sang before this talks about the importance of our testimony. And if you had an encounter with Jesus tonight, look, maybe it wasn't like, oh man, my leg didn't like, you know, heal back from being broken, but maybe it was just experiencing the Spirit of God in a real way. Would you share that testimony? Share that testimony with us. We want to be able to know that God's moving in your life in some cool ways. And so please feel free to share that with others, with myself, with our staff. We'd love to hear that. Adrian, if you'd come up here, and I'm going to ask, Isabel, can you come here too? 
Now, right before service, I, I, I told you something. You asked me how I was feeling, and what did I tell you? Do you remember? Butterflies. And what, what did you, you don't? You protect you. Jesus is with you. You don't have to be scared or worried because he'll protect you. I'm going to tell you what, 10 years from now, we talked about this tonight, 10 years from now, I think you get to help me preach the Easter service, okay? All right. Awesome. So I'm going to ask Adrian to close us in prayer. We've got a great worship experience planned for Sunday morning. It's going to be very different than this one, uh, but uh, we're going to have a great Easter morning. And so I'm going to ask Adrian, would you just close us out in prayer, however the Spirit would lead you, uh, as we get to go home. As the sun sets here, it's okay because Easter morning the sun will rise and we'll get to gather together again. Dear Jesus, thank you tonight for us being able to gather and to reflect on both the pain and suffering that you endured just for us, but also for what that means that we gained. So thank you for all that you gave us on that horrible day for you, but one of the best days in history for mankind. Um, protect us as we go and bring us back to worship and praise and all the excitement that comes with Easter. And thank you that you rose again and we know that you're God because of that. In Jesus' name.